All right, we're back. Terry and Gary's Low Expectations Podcast, episode 45. Today we have pro wrestling icon, Tony Schiavone, and Kickstarter King, Dirk Manning. How you guys doing? Nice. What's up, Gary? Rhino, how you guys doing, man? Great, great. And Gary, get it straight, legend. Okay, legend. Yeah. Uh, legend. Well, okay, let's let's stop this. Let's stop this shit right now. <laughs> I'm just I'm just one of the guys. I'm a, I'm a, as a matter of fact. When we first started talking about what we we're going to call this, I said let's call it I Jabroni, and they went no 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 no. Let's come up with something else. And of course, I listened to what Dirk says uh, sometime, and so the that, that's so I'm just a Jabroni. Thank you very much though for that introduction, guys. No, just, um, just you know, you calling wrestling for so many years and all the great matches and stuff. It's just every time I hear you and talk to you, hear your voice or I talk to you, it just takes me back to a time in wrestling when, you know, it's just everything was so great, it seemed like. And even though the great things have happened over the years, it's one of those things where it's like it hasn't changed, you know, right. and your excitement for the matches hasn't changed right. and how you tell and lay out that story for the match right. uh, hasn't changed and it's just yeah I'm, I'm marking out so i apologize <laughs> well, well well thanks uh thanks for saying that i uh you know i never got a chance to uh to uh see much of uh, what happened back uh, after i left the business but i'm catching up on all that now i'm catching up on a lot of the old ecw stuff and uh things right. that you guys did and i i just catching up on the old wwe stuff and uh it's, uh, uh, I missed it. And, uh, I, I just wonder how my voice would have been back in the nineties had there been monsters, uh, and bangs, right? Uh, because now I live on them now. So, uh, uh, as you can see, uh, so I, uh, it, it helps with my energy. And, uh, I like to, I like to think that my excitement for what I do is genuine because it is because I love what I do. Right. And so, uh, thanks for saying all that, man. Now you uh, now when you left uh, wrestling, you started uh, in baseball right after, correct? Or yeah, yeah, I, I actually got a job with uh, with WSB Radio in Atlanta, which at that time was a flagship station for the Atlanta Braves Network. So I immediately got work with the Braves Network during their pregame and postgame shows. I was one of like four guys that we would rotate through to do pregame and postgame shows. So I got to go to the stadium a lot. I got to know everybody. I got to go to spring training. I got to uh, start living my baseball dream, and then uh, the Braves hired me to do their uh, AAA play-by-play for Gwinnett, their AAA team in the International League, and I did that for 11 years. And the job at WSB also got me involved with the Georgia Bulldogs as a producer and a uh, at one time a spotter, but now uh, uh, kind of the producer on-site, engineer on-site, so I kind of do all that. And uh, I've often thought that you need to learn as much about the broadcasting field that you can. And that's always, that's kind of been my MO. Uh, like for instance, um, I, uh, I not only, not only can do a radio broadcast, but I can set up a radio broadcast. I can, uh, I can work the equipment. I can plug it in. I can make sure we get on the air. Uh, and, and that's pretty good. I, I, I think that's helped me out a great deal. You, you need to be versatile. You need to be able to, to do everything. And that's why I like working on the web. That's why I like, doing the stuff with the Georgia Bulldogs. That's why I like doing more than just announce with AEW. I like to be more than just an announcer, a guy that can talk. So um, I, I did start, uh, do, did a lot of baseball and uh, 
Uh, worked with the Braves for many, many years. Got a lot of friends in the Braves organization, front office, and uh, and many of the players. And uh, it was really a rewarding time for me. It really was away from wrestling. Right. Now, growing up, silky smooth voice because I think Terry was telling me a couple of days ago how much he just loved your voice. I mean, he'll turn the TV off and just listen to your voice. So. Yeah, you you know, and, and I appreciate you guys saying that. I really do, Rhino. I and I, I let me tell you about my voice. I always I always thought my voice was sounded like a guy with a pencil stuck in his mouth. I always thought I, I, I was thinking, you know, damn it. Some of those voices come by through clearly. And my voice to me does not cut through. Uh, so what I tried to do was heighten up my intensity. In other words, speak louder. So maybe I could get heard. So, but I always thought I had a, I, I listen, I don't like my voice. All right. I don't like watching me on TV. I really don't. I've got to watch dynamite. I've got to, uh, if we tape dynamite, I've got to watch it because that's one of the things that Tony has me do watch it and mark some things that were wrong for the tape show before it comes out. So I've got to watch it now, but I hate watching my, my stuff. Uh, we, we will shoot things behind the scenes. Like we'll shoot a sit down interview. And if I'm doing it with a wrestler, the wrestler will say, let's see how that looked. You want to look at it? I'll go, no, why don't you want to look at it? I said, because I just did it. I know what it sounded like. So, uh, I, I don't like, I don't like listening to myself and watching myself, but, uh, Thanks for saying I've got one of those great. I just think that probably you're saying that because you heard it enough, right? I mean, yeah. you just keep hearing it enough and enough. You'll say, yeah, I remember that voice. It's like when I grew up much older than any of you guys, when I heard Kurt Gowdy, I knew there was baseball on Saturday afternoons. And so that was, to me, that was that voice, regardless of how good it was, it was the voice you recognized and it brought you back. So that's, that's kind of like what, what I'm doing right now. I, I'm there. Listen, I'm there in AA. I'm there in nitro of nitro. I'm there. Who I'm there and I'm there in dynamite for uh, nostalgia purposes. That's what I'm there for. So well, no, it's funny how you call, uh, how you just slipped and said nitro. I'll yeah. Is that something? That. Yeah. Like <laughs> whenever I'm calling a show, I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll still do that. Yeah. Which is totally funny. I've never done it yet on TV, but there may come a time. <laughs> Not yet. Right. And, I want, and I want to pull back the curtain real quick, too, because Craig made wrong. Because Rhino, you and Tony have never met, right? Before this? No, we, met, we met prior. Uh, um, I want to say we met um, down when I would go down and do TVs down in uh, Atlanta, or I'm sorry, Atlanta and uh, Florida. Um, but we met uh, backstage at WWE uh, before. Right. So. Okay. So. No, see, Dirk, me and Terry have never met before. That's where right. I knew someone hadn't you're, met somebody. You're close. I couldn't yeah. remember who it was, but I knew, I knew two of us here, two people here hadn't met. So, Actually, right. I really want to get into this Kickstarter, you guys, because uh, you guys have launched a new Kickstarter. It came out yesterday. Already uh, two, two, two days ago, two days ago. Yeah. yeah on the 16th. Right. Oh, triple time backing already a thousand backers. Oh, uh, Dirk, why don't you explain a little bit about th this Kickstarter and, uh, where it came from? You know, um, I, I really always enjoy getting to launch products on Kickstarter. Uh, one of the reasons I love this platform so much is it really gives us a chance to offer people that want to support the project, uh, product and a, basically a version of the book that you cannot get through the direct market. And, and I think this type of platform lends itself well to people like me, who uh, I, I tend to do like original graphic novels and things like that. So historically I've always offered like 
uh, Kickstarter exclusive hardcover, for example, and we do signed book plates and, you know, the joke, the big box of Dirk, you know, like how much stuff are you going to get with your Kickstarter? And we throw Kickstarter parties and we just go nuts about it. So when uh, I had the opportunity to, to work with Tony uh, through, you know, credit where credit is due, Mike Dawkins, can I help, you know, uh, put this together? Don't say his name because he'll charge us for it. That's true. You're he'll right. Bill us for it. Right. Damn attorney. Well, I, I, yeah, okay. I, I, didn't say, I didn't say gimmick attorney. Oh, damn. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> now we got to pay him twice. <laughs> but uh, no, um, it, it, when, when he talked to us about, you know, I think probably talked to you as well, Tony, me about, hey, you guys should connect and do this. Knowing Tony's legacy, you know, and his dulcet tones, that is the voice of childhood of so many of us and his resurgence and reemergence with all elite wrestling and things like that. To me, it was like, this is a no-brainer you know it's like if we're going to do something like this to do something like this where, to- where we can offer fans of tony's work a really cool product that eventually will release in the direct market you know um i knew immediately once disturb become a reality to go to source point press talk to them about it uh source point press recently announced they signed a deal with simon and schuster for bookstore distribution which is amazing you know michigan strong right <laughs> you know detroit hustles harder so I knew that we would have a, we'd be able to put together a really good book and do a really cool product. But I also knew that the opportunity to use the Kickstarter model with this would be potentially uh, super fantastic. What I didn't expect was um, two days into the campaign, you know, two days and change into the campaign. Uh, we're at 1,013 backers with over $58,000 in pre-sales. That's amazing, guys. Congratulations. Yeah. Which, Tony, that means over 1,000 people are already buying a, book, a comic book with your face on it. That's something right. else. That's, uh, so, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect that. So, Yeah. I, I knew we would do well. I mean, point blank. You know, I've done multiple Kickstarters now, and I knew – I, I know how to set this up to make sure we can be successful. You know, that's what you want to do and how we can pay it forward to the people backing the campaign. I, no one expected this. I mean, I mean, point blank. No one, no one expected the, this level of, um, of, of just energy around it. And it's flattering and it's awesome. And it's a testament to Tony. It's a testament to the great artists we have on the team. It's a testament to source point press and Travis McIntyre. Um, yeah. Yeah. Travis, 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 you know, I don't like to put Travis over too much, so I'll just do it one time. Uh, I'll put him. Travis is the man. Travis is the man. So. Well, and, and 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 also, it just seems like this book would sell itself no matter what, because who wouldn't want to hear Tony's stories, you know? But we don't know what's in the book, so we can't say, you know, going to be Tony's stories. So, but I want to do know butts and seats. Yeah. Where did the name come from? Is it is it from the Mick Foley incident, or is it something more than that? No, it's from the Mick Foley incident. It's uh, it's because. Uh, for better or for worse, a lot of people know me for that. And uh, at, at one time, at one time, when when people would say that'll put butts in the seats, I got to thinking, you know what? Uh, yeah, forget that. But then again, it's such a it's such a big part of pro wrestling history back in the '90s that you kind of need to own it, right? And uh, so I owned it. And there's a part in the book that deals with that. Uh, and there's a part in the book that deals with. Uh, with, with my journey from a big-time wrestling fan that spent a lot of money on wrestling when I was a kid going to events uh, to a guy that's in it now. So it's kind of a book of a journey. But, yeah, it, it's, it, it has to do with that. It has to do with the, uh, 
the the line that everyone seems to remember, especially people in their thirties and forties, and watched. I can say it now. Watched Nitro back then. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that's where it came from. But it, it's you know it, it's much more than that. And then again, think about it. You know that's kind of what as wrestling announcers we were supposed to do back then and that is to put your butt into a seat buy a ticket so to speak uh and so that was kind of our job and really in many ways still is it's part of our job to put you in front of the television set each week now so that's kind of what now listen there was some pushback on this front uh dirk and uh andrina and everybody involved in our uh, little get-together we had really pushed for butts and seats and uh mike dawkins did and that's the, I'm going to mark this down because that's the third time we've mentioned his name. Oh, man. I'm not paying more than he's done. You know he has an abacus right now and just click, click. <laughs> you know, everybody laughs, but I never, I've seen, never seen anybody bill like him. So anyway, I, uh, they all got together and said, yeah, butts and seats is the way to go. And I'm not so sure. What mm -hmm. about I jabroni? And I said, I like that. I always did like I jabroni. I thought if, if I would ever write a book, that's what it would be called. I jabroni because I'm just a guy putting over other guys, right? That's what I, that's what I'm doing for in my life. So, uh, so I, I relented, went with butts and seats and, um, so there it is. And it kind of stuck and it's doing well. Well, and, and two, to be fair, and, and I appreciate you talking about that because yeah, I mean, even when I was talking to Travis initially and stuff like that, you know, cause like Tony said, we would have these, um, I wouldn't say weekly, but every couple of weeks we would get together and, and plot out this book. The book is Tony's whole life, like Tony said, from when he's a, a, a little kid to watch wrestling with Uncle John, all the way up to his journey to AEW. So it's as truly a, a life story. And and one of the things that, you know, and I, I we, were, we were debating names and you know, Tony mentioned the iJabroni. I'm like, it's good, but it just doesn't have like that, that, that zing, that pop, you know, that 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 hook. And um, we start talking about the butts and seats, and one of the things, I don't know if you remember the story we were talking about is from the first chapter in the book, it's Tony buying tickets for his family and going and literally putting their butts in seats at a wrestling show to the end of the book with all elite wrestling with AW, Tony continuing to put butts in seats now. And, and there's a there's a thematic line through the whole book. And that's probably the most writerly thing I'll ever say. And I apologize, but, uh, you know, it sounds so pretentious. But it, it was really, it's like, like Tony said, the whole book is really keeps coming back to that, whether it was Tony's, you know, as a kid, putting his butt in a seat, putting butts in seats, walking away from it, putting butts in seats, even his time in sports, like, uh, like uh, Terry, like you and uh, Tony were talking about, we covered that part of Tony's life. And then to, to bringing it back and, and Tony, like, like is the beginning, you were, you were brought back to AW because people like you, they respect you. They love your dulcet tones mm. and, and you put butts in seats again. So it was, um, I don't want to say it was content, contentious, but it was definitely, I knew we were going to have to have a little bit of an uphill battle, and I'm glad we got to, to go that way because people seem to be responding to it. And even, um, was it uh, Mick Foley or something even tweeted about it again? Like, right when we were in the middle of the discussions, like this kismet moment, it was like the anniversary of that day, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, Yeah, and I and I retweeted, you're welcome, or something. Or I'm right. glad, <laughs> I was glad to be a part of it or something. It was really, yeah. so, yeah. I think that was the two, I think that was the tipping point because and I, and I wish we timed it this way and it was one of those like things like duh we were so thick into the work we didn't think about it but this is when we were having those conversations then out of nowhere Mick Foley retweets the anniversary of the butts and seats line uh, which is a, actually a chapter of the book is dedicated to that night and what what happened and 
Uh, as a wrestling fan, I learned some stuff about that night I never knew, and we don't give too much away, but there is a whole chapter. Colm Griffin illustrated the chapter, a uh, fantastic artist in Ireland, with the infamous butts and seats moment that you'll all get to learn some new stuff about that night. I think Mick actually started his book out with that story about butts and seats. As far as <coughs> oh, his, very cool. His biography. So it's, it's, it's a big part of uh, wrestling history. And you yeah, answered, it is. I, yeah, you answered my questions. I was going to ask you about the book as far as is it going to be chronological order as far as like, are you going to go into more books about Tony stories and more Tony stories, or is it all going to be one book, complete life history of uh, the Tony Schiavone story? I, I don't doubt that Tony has many, many years ahead of my fun stuff, but this definitely goes from the beginning of his life to now uh, through the Kickstarter, you know, we've unlocked four bonus stories already. So we actually then kind of travel back in time and tell like these bonus anecdotes that maybe don't necessarily warrant a whole chapter. We're doing one about uh, experience with Bobby Heenan. We're doing one with uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniel. One with Sting. See, I don't sound like you, Tony. I tried. Just no, no one can do it like you can. No. And then uh, one, 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 one with Ric Flair. So mm. those are going to be bonus stories at the back. But but it is. It's chronological. It's Tony's whole career to date. Uh, a nice retrospective of, of everything. And one of the things that I really have enjoyed about telling this story is that Tony such, and I mean this in, in absolutely the most sincerest way possible, just an everyman. And I, and I think, and maybe Ryan, I don't know if you can attest to this or not. Sometimes there's people in the industry that start to buy into their own hype or persona a little too much, <laughs> you know, perhaps. You want me to name them? Yeah. No, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> you want a list for our podcast <laughs> okay. yeah but um you know but but everyone everyone in the world is familiar with professional wrestling yeah whether you watch it or not you know about it and professional wrestling is something we're all aware of and tony's journeys in every man through basically every major u.s promotion in history going back to the Jim Crockett days and then obviously going to WCW and the infamous one night in, in TNA and in w, at the time in WWF, WWE and, and there was MLZ and then, and then to AEW. I mean, Tony's been everywhere. And I always appreciate the fact that, you know, I, I was a little hesitant. I've ever told you this, Tony, but when, when we first started talking about this, I was like, I don't want this to be a vanity project. You know, yeah. I don't want this to be a thing where it's just some dude putting himself over for right. hundred plus pages, but that's not been the experience. So it's just been a really fascinating story about Tony respectfully weaving through literally the, the, the chronology of, uh, of professional wrestling in the United States. Hey, Tony, we're getting some people on here wanting to know if uh, they can have a uh, dusty impression or uh, people <laughs> are saying they, they, they just want one sting that will make their life complete. If they can just okay. It's Sting. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'll leave him alone. It's Sting, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> okay. That you won't see that on AEW. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Exclusive content. No. Uh, <clears throat> listen, you know, I I I worked with Dusty a long, long time, long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, was in the probably early '90s. Uh, because he was back as Booker at WCW back then. This is before the Nitro era. And early 90s, is booking again. So I rode around with him a lot, drove around with him. And so we we got to have a great relationship. And he would always tell me, he said, you are the only guy out there that can tell me to go kiss my ass, and I don't get mad at you. I said, well, let me solidify it then, you fucker. Kiss my ass. Okay. <laughs> 
So anyway, so we had a great relationship. We really did. He was, it was more like a friendship than a working relationship. So, so now that I'm able to work with his two sons, Cody and Dustin, it means a lot to me. So it's, it's great. Yeah. And it's funny when we were, when we, the way this book came together too, is we would have these jam sessions when it'd be Tony, myself, uh, gimmick attorney who shall not be named, uh, Dave Silva, which I'm still trying to figure out what Silva was doing there this whole time, but I, I nothing. No, he would laugh at the, he'd laugh at the occasional joke. And then okay. uh, our editor, Dreamy Joe, uh, and, you know, Lois would crash the party once in a while as expected, Oof. but, <laughs> but we would, we would just, you know, and say, okay, let's talk about your time with Crockett promotions. Right. Let's talk about your time in baseball, whatever. And then tell the story and things like that. And it was so funny when we got to talking about the Starcade stuff with Dusty and all that, I, I have found that, no one can talk about Dusty Baby without doing his voice. Nobody can, yeah. You know, right. it just it's just like this this thing. And it's such a again, such a testament, I think, to his legacy that like Rick Flair has to move. And then when you talk about Dusty, mm-hmm. you, know, you just you just slide right into that voice. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna show us your uh, Dusty uh, Terry right now? No, I, I can't do any justice. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I, if I did it, and I don't was care. I was watching. But uh, just uh, a, a quick Dusty story. Um, it was in, uh, he came and uh, helped us out in ECW, and Carino always wanted to work with him and stuff. And he, uh, the first time, he, the first show he was at, uh, it was in Atlanta. And after we did our thing, we'd do the pre tapes after the show, and he was sitting around waiting uh, to do something. And, and he just started telling stories and like literally half the locker room that was still there. Um, the other had had left because he didn't have pre-tapes. He was just sitting on a box, you know, uh, one of those uh, tour boxes and everybody was just sitting around. It was like a campfire, you know, listening to stories and it was great. And uh, that was my first real experience with Dusty. But yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't uh, talk like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was great. You learned so much off of him. So. It's it's funny to see how many people actually try to do the dusty uh, uh, on right. this so far. We've had Diamond Dallas Pages done it, and then several other guys. But yours by far, Tony, was the best. I'm not just you know shoe shining either. So. Well, I don't know if we heard your dusty yet. To be fair, oh, right. I don't do, I don't do impressions. <laughs> <laughs> An homage, a tribute. <laughs> no. Hey uh, Gary, let me ask you: Are you based in Detroit? Yeah, yeah, we're in Monroe, Michigan, uh, just south of Detroit. What you doing with the Dallas Cowboy hat on? My entire oh, life, man. I, I got pictures up there. I don't want to see it. Don't want to see it. Set. Don't want to see it. Don't want to see it. All right. My whole life. This is what I have to put up with, Tony. Jesus. <laughs> right? Hey, at least it's not a Steelers hat. So I yeah, well, it my Skeletor hat, but today my Cowboy hat was on. So. Well, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I hope, they, uh, I hope they make the Super Bowl before I die, which may not happen. Right. Okay. <laughs> Terry, where are you at now? Louisville, Lexington? You getting close? No, yeah, I'm actually cutting through Dayton. So, oh, wow. yeah, I'm way back from Nashville. From well, Matthew might be here by the time the show's over. <laughs> right. <laughs> we can tell how fast you're going by looking like the background, like the signs. Right. I tried to make it home before the show, but yeah, wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't going to happen. So. I'm just happy you made it to the show this week. Right. Right. Last week, I didn't even get to the show. So something came up last minute. And, and I'm definitely not missing this show. So with Tony. Not with Tony. 
Real quick, Tony, um, I had a question. Sure. A lot of people getting into wrestling, um, you know, they, it seemed when I started in 94, 95, um, it didn't seem like a lot of uh, men and women were going after like positions like referee or, or um, agents or uh, backstage announcers. I don't know because there weren't a lot of positions like that available like there is now um, or announcing. And, you know, as the, the, the business has grown, and the product has grown, um, you know, I, I see a lot of more people wanting to just get in to announce um, maybe backstage. And I mean, something like that, I, I can't give them advice. I can only guide them to certain people to learn from. Right. You find people coming up to you more and more um, asking for advice, asking uh, for you to critique their stuff, um, improvements, what they can do to better themselves and, do you, do you find that more so? And what, what advice would you give to someone that wants to, um, you know, be, you know, announce matches or call matches play by play? Yeah, that, uh, Rhino, that's a great question. L let me say this. Uh, there's a lot more people interested in what we do now. And I think that is a result of what we did back in the nineties. And you were a part right. of that too. Uh, a perfect example is when we were doing wrestling back in the nineties, uh, the people who were watching us, uh, let's say, or let's say the 30 year olders back in the nineties had been born in the sixties. Uh, they didn't really grow up with wrestling. So now the people that are today wanting to get into wrestling grew up with it and wrestling is more mainstream than it's ever been. Now I, I we all remember Hulk Hogan on the cover of sports illustrated. We all thought, man, that's mainstream, but now you've got podcast about wrestling. You've got a major website, ESPN has a wrestling part of their website. And that's because the people who grew up watching it in the nineties loved it. And it's, yeah. so there's more people wanting to get involved in the business. I started at a very good time. I was very, very lucky. Not many people wanted to be a wrestling announcer back in the 1980s. They really didn't. I did. Jim Ross did a handful of us did, and we were the only ones back there that did it. So now I see like there's a, there's an independent promotion up in Canton, Georgia called Southern honor wrestling, uh, that has a bunch of kids that I know that work and I go up there and they have a couple of announcers do they do their show on YouTube. And I talk to them all the time and I tell them that it's very difficult for me to tell you what advice to give you because I was the result of being in the right place at the right time and being, being born at the right time when the, yeah. it wasn't as competitive a business as it is right now. I mean, anything that's on TV is very competitive. Uh, right. any sport. So I, I said, it's hard for me, but I can only tell you that if you love the business and if you're a fan of the business, bring that out in your commentary. I always mm -hmm. say the best match I ever calls the best matches I've ever called are the ones that I cease to become an announcer. And all of a sudden I'm a fan and I'm yeah. watching it. I'm talking about it as a fan. And that's what, that's what I always thought I brought to the, to the, uh, to the table, so to speak. And that's yeah. what anybody that wants to be in the business needs to be. They need to be passionate about it, not be phony, not be, and listen, in, at the end of WCW, I was phony and over the top. Cause I was, uh, I'd have had about enough of it, uh, but yeah. be passionate about it and love it. And that'll come through. Gordon Soley told me one time that it doesn't matter what you say on a wrestling show that if you say it with conviction and you say it like you believe it, 
and they'll believe it too. Well, the best way to say that is to really believe what you're watching and be, and be excited about it. And so that's the, that's the, what I give them as far as, as far as, uh, advice for anybody working that wants to work behind the scenes. Here's my advice to them. First of all, be a good person. And I say that because as you know, in the wrestling business, there have been so many shitheads in the wrestling business behind the scenes that right. we're, we're tired of those people. And that's right. one thing that Tony Khan has decided to do. He, he doesn't want those people around. And I don't right. know like that any other promotion, but I'm telling you, first of all, be a good person, be respectful of the business, be a good person and work hard. Uh, and some of those things apply in life. I know, but they really apply in the wrestling business as well. But I really think that because of our success back in the nineties, and I'm not only saying me, I'm saying the industry success, that's what breeded all these people. Now breeding all these people wanted to be part of because That's what they grew up with. They loved wrestling. And so I, I feel like very fortunate. You should too, that we were a part of that back then. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you, you mentioned Tony Khan, AEW. Um, I had met him, uh, about a month ago. Yeah. And what a great person. And, you know, when you became part of the team and then, you know, you see Sting and Christian. Yeah. Just like, and then the stuff with Kenny Omega and with Impact Wrestling, it's just it's very interesting wrestling. Very interesting. And it's a good time to be a fan nowadays, too. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, like you said, a lot of the guys or the, the kids that were watching wrestling in the 90s, they have families. Now right. they can watch it you know, AEW or Impact or even go on the WWE Network and watch some of the stuff and right. show the kids what they watch. And then, you know, our stuff back then is relevant now again, too. So, right. yeah. yeah, so it's, it's a really good time to be a wrestling fan and be involved in wrestling. Right. What, speaking of AEW, uh, Tony, what, what brought you to AEW? What was the, the deciding factor to go somewhere like that? I mean, I know you've been to WWE and WCW. Uh, what's, what's made you go to AEW and what's the difference between the two? Well, uh, just a, a, a kind of a quick story about it. I don't think I've given anything away uh, from the book, but there was, there was a day in my life uh, that was a very odd day for me. Uh, Bruce, <coughs> uh, Bruce and I have always been friends. And, uh, we do, I do a podcast with Conrad Thompson. He does one with Conrad Thompson. We're kind of on Conrad's network on Westwood one. And we have always been friends. And, and I had heard he was, he had told us that he was going to go back to work for Vince and WWE. And he said, when I go back, I'd like to, uh, see if I can get you back in the door. Would you be open to that? And I said, yeah, sure. Of course. And so he called me one day and he said, Hey, I got something for you. I think we can bring you back. I said, great. So. I, the first person I told was Conrad. I didn't even tell my wife. I said, Bruce just called me and said, they may have something for me at the WWE. And it wasn't 10 minutes later. And Cody Rhodes called me. He said, I don't want you to go working for the WWE. And I said, Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, I want you to come work for AW. I said, well, dumbass, I, we've had dinner. We've talked. You never offer me anything. So you go offer me something. He said, let me get you to talk with Tony Khan. I talked with Tony Khan and I was, that was it, man. I, that was sold on it because at my age, you can't put a price tag on working for a good person. And Tony does a lot of crazy things, a lot of things behind the scenes that pushes us to do things last minute. And of course, that's always been the nature of the business it's entertainment, right? You change, you do things, you got to do things on the fly. You walk around backstage sometime like a hair's on fire to get things done. But he is so good to us and so nice to us that nobody ever tells him no. 
And he's a, just a genuinely good, good person. And I thought, you know, I'm going to finish up my career because this is the last great stand uh, until I maybe like write comic books with Dirk off into the sunset. But uh, so this is my, this is my like, last great stand. And I thought, I want my last stand to be with somebody that is a good person. And that's what it was. It was just getting to know him. And, uh, and, and like I said, you know, he, he's hired good people behind the scenes. So it's, it's a lot of fun to work there, even though it is stressful putting together a wrestling show. So Tony seems they'd be very strong behind the scenes, but he doesn't put himself in front of the camera and try to you know, right. overshadow the talent. And, uh, yeah, he did, uh, he did one thing in, on our new show elevation that drops on YouTube on, uh, on Mondays, he came out and did a thing with Kenny Omega. It's the first time he's ever put himself on camera. And so we tweeted out and he was talking to me. He said, we need to tweet out something about, about that. Cause I need to, uh, make sure that everybody knows I'm not going to do that all the time. I'm not going to be on dynamite. So I tweeted and he tweeted. And of course, uh, all the trolls got out, uh, and, and responded to us, which, Hey, if you're a troll, I love you because I, I can walk down the street. Okay. I can walk down the street and see 10 people. Okay. Walking towards me. And I don't know which one of those is an idiot, but if 10 of them got a, a Twitter account. I can pick out the idiots in a moment. Okay. I, I mean, it, they just, it just flashes idiots. So I can hit block and it makes me feel so good. It's like punching somebody in the nose. It's boom. See you. You're gone. You're out of my life. So, so I love, I love fishing for trolls. Absolutely love it. So, so he sent out a text about that and I did or a tweet about that. And I did too. Uh, and I got to block about 15 people, which was really, really good. They don't realize how happy it makes me. Uh, so, Anyway, so getting back to the point, he's not going to put himself on TV. We're going to mention that he's done this, he's signed this, he's come with this match, but to go out and put himself on TV, I think he realized that's been overdone. I mean, I mean, from, uh, I mean, well, Vince McMahon was the best out of the Mr. McMahon angle was tremendous. You know, then there was Vince Russo on TV. There was Dixie Carter on TV. You just, uh, it's just been overdone. Uh, general managers of, of, you know, SmackDown and, and Raw, just the the uh, the powers that be or a person in charge is like kind of an overdone thing. So hopefully he'll stay away from it. And I think he will. It's interesting too. It strikes me about that kind of looping back to that conversation, skipping the Twitter trolls because whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, and even at the beginning of this conversation, I wasn't sure that you and and Rhino had met. Turns out you had. But that same idea in comics, how it permeates, how I think like wrestling comics is a very small industry as well. And, you know, it's a situation where everybody knows everybody or everybody knows someone that knows this person. And again, just that importance. And, and I want to, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment. One of the things that I really want to highlight about butts and seats is that we have 10 amazing primary artists on this book. And, um, I really want to give them credit too, because, you know, obviously Tony's getting a lot of the shine on this and, and I'm getting a certain amount of shine off of this, but shout out to our artists on this book, you know, DJ and Sally and John and Les, and Jan and Colm and Scott and Josh and Austin and uh, Ricardo and our colorist, Sean, uh, Mariana Pascosta doing the cover, you know, our editor, Drina Joe, Justin Birch, our letter. Um, it's been so cool on this book too, to work with such so many talented people and, and and what you said tony just rings so true to me so i appreciate you saying that because the importance of surrounding yourself with those positive people to, to, yeah. get, to get to make a cool product you know it's just it's so important it's so important you know so 
it's just an int- it just really struck me just moved me as an interesting parallel that you know about uh, about those makes, two industries it makes a difference working with people that you enjoy you know oh boy yeah. <laughs> yeah. does it ever because i've worked with a lot of people that i don't enjoy i'm uh, right here tony i'm right here oh sorry dirk <laughs> where's that blog button at yeah, okay. <laughs> 28 more days man and then, yeah. bam. okay well, i work with brino so i don't know yeah right <laughs> that's about that's about all i got that's well I guess got. what i work with taz oh <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I, I said I wasn't gonna mention that son of a bitch's name. Oh right. <laughs> but you know what? This is our this is our first one on the junket, Tony. So you know what? You got it out of the way. Okay. We yeah. gave we gave Dawkins his uh his you know seventy five hundred dollars, whatever he's gonna charge us now. Yeah. We can, we'll just clear the deck. <laughs> we can move on. Okay. So oh hey, can we talk about AEW for a little bit here? Uh, as far as like the actual wrestling component. Um yeah. I've been watching since probably pretty close to the beginning, and I just see over the last I don't know. I, to me, 10, 12, 18 months, it's just been getting progressively better and better and better. The wrestling's being better. The stories are better. Sure. Uh, I mean, culminating last night to that, that Britt Baker match. That I, oh. my, my, me and my wife watched it. And it was just, it was an amazing match to see two pro wrestlers out there beat the hell out of each other. And just, I mean, it was, right. it was, it was an amazing, man. We have Britt on the show and deep and deep and yeah. it just, can you tell us a little about the wrestling aspect of the show, how it's getting so much you know, better? Well, I, I think a lot of that has to do with with uh, the, the the people we have in place. Obviously, you got to have the talent, but you also got to have the people in place that work behind the scenes that can work with these talent. And the, a lot of these kids are still very young in the formative years of their career. I mean, you know, Britt uh, has only been wrestling on national TV now coming up on two years. And there's a, it's a different monster when you wrestle on TV and, and a lot of other kids have, have, have just kind of started wrestling on, on TV, but you got guys like Jerry Lynn, Lynn, Dean Malenko, uh, Dustin Rhodes behind the scenes, uh, Billy Gunn, uh, BJ Whitmer. I know I'm going to miss somebody, Arn Anderson, uh, behind the scenes, Tully Blanchard's behind the scenes that helped these kids, uh, put together matches and come up with good storylines. And, uh, and I, and I think that has helped us out a great deal. I also think that it's been very good for us to go back and go back and use some of the guys that we remember from the past, like sting, like we've used Tully, you know, we brought him out mm. Christians come back. Uh, and I think we've done a good job of bringing the new and the old together. That's an old cliche. I know, but I think we've done a good job of that. And you know, it, it's listen, uh, the stuff that I've, I've often said, if you go back and, and take a look at the chronological order of wrestling, uh, now, obviously, WCW was big and WWE was big back in the 90s, but the type of wrestling that has stood the time is the ECW wrestling. Going through tables, doing the dives over the top, going into the stands, throwing people all. That's what has stood the test of time. That type of wrestling, uh, of course, we you know, not as crazy as it was back then, but still – you know, uh, the spectacular things the Bucks do and the, and the crazy things that Scorpio Sky does. And uh, last night, Britt being thrown on uh, thumbtacks and going, having being hit on, uh, being thrown on a, uh, a ladder and tables and things like that. That has stood the test of time. And that is what is making us very, very entertaining. And, but, but I really go back to the fact, oh, Christopher Daniels, too. I want to give him a plug because he's one of the, uh, the coaches as well. Uh, 
I, I really think that uh, that we have a good cross section of talented kids who grew up loving the business, respecting the business, like we talked about, Rhino, and who also are working with people who knew how to do it back then. The difference back, the difference is, and I can go on and on about this. The difference is that back in the day, you used to learn your craft by doing house shows. You would do TV once a week, but you would have a house show basically every day. And that's how you learn to wrestle. They don't have that now. They have TV uh, four times a month, basically. So how do they learn? They learn by working out, going to gyms, and working with guys who have been there and, and have done that. And that's why it's so good now. Right. I think you did a great job. Oh, go ahead, Terry. Oh, no, you're definitely right, Tony. Um, the guys that have been in the ring, the men and women that have been in the ring for years, they pass it down to the And especially when they can get in the ring. And that's why live events were very important, too, because you yeah. can get in the ring, um, you know, and work a match with someone in front of a crowd on mm -hmm. a live event. You know, someone younger and, and help them, right? you know, feel you in the ring and, you know, the movement, the reactions and, and uh, that helps them out too. Right. Um, now we do it a little different, you know, whether it's just sitting down and talking to them or traveling in the car or, you right. know, before, you know um, but yeah, it's very important, you know, to have that uh, correct mixture and have that mixture where the, the, the older guys are going to, pass it on to the younger guys because if you hold on to that knowledge then you're just hurting the business so right. i mean i learned from a lot of great people i remember for i want to say about six months i just picked rick flair's uh, brain in uh tna yeah um, i just for six months in the locker room he'd get there about 3 30 and i just start asking him questions about angles and stuff and why they work how did they work what made this work and you know, after about, I want to say six weeks, I go, do you know what I'm doing? He goes, yeah, you're picking my brain. I go, you don't mind. He goes, no. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Yeah. He, he shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, I learned so much just from all these other guys and I pass it on from, uh, you know, guys like Terry Taylor, Billy Gunn, just working with him in the ring. I remember in the early two thousands, I worked with him a lot and I learned so much off of him. Yeah. And it's with you guys, you know, passing that on too. So yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's some there's someone else I want to mention. I mentioned all the coaches. Serena Deeb's another one who uh, is one of the women's coaches. Just yeah. just a first of all, wonderful person, one of the nicest ladies ever, and a great coach and a great athlete. So I think I mentioned all the coaches. Forgot to mention her. I think you guys did a great job of who you brought up as far as like bringing in Darby Allen, bringing in M MJF. I mean, I just never thought this guy was going to be such a, a monster on the mic and actually so well received for being such an asshole. You know, so it's just. It's just an amazing, amazing, amazing talent guy. Great mixture with young and old. And uh, we had a question, Tony, from uh, J.C. Barnes. Jace Barnes. He wants to know how it's like working with Armin Tully again. Well, it's it's. Uh, thanks for the question, by the way. It's wonderful because we had been friends back in the day. Uh, Tully Blanchard, and this is not a part of the book, but Tully Blanchard is the only one in the history of the business that had me locked out of my own house. Uh, thank you, Tony. How, do we, how do we miss that in all of our okay. calls? Okay. So, and so I hung out with, uh, I hung out with Tully and Arn, and it's funny because I mean I can just give them so much shit right now. Uh, I, uh, I'll tell you this story too. Here's another story. Okay, it's a recent story. 
in, in the back in, in AEW, we have a we have a couple of whiteboards that list the match for the night, different matches. And another whiteboard will list some things that guys, the girls have to do. Like you've got a photo shoot at 430. Here's a list of guys. Or you've got to do a, a videotape. Here's a list of guys. So I got it. When nobody's looking, I got one of the, the the markers that I put nursing home photos. And I listed Arn, Tully, Dean Malenko, and Jake Roberts. And no one got that. No one's, I don't even know, but it stayed up all day. And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world that, that I could get by with that. So I, you know, because we are that age right now, I can give them all kinds of grief about their age and because they don't look the way we, none of us look the way we used to look. And so it is just a tremendous amount of fun and a tremendous amount of pride to know that I've called their matches and, uh, and with them together as well. We, uh, Tully came out recently uh, when he had his match with the black robe that he always used and the U.S. title belt that he had in the I Quit match against Magnum TA in Starcade 85. So that, and then FTR came out with the old Crockett NWA World Tag Team title belts. So that, that Tully and Arn had worn. So that was, that, that's great. That makes me feel great about the past. And, and I know that it, it brings the fans back. I mean, nostalgia is big right now and, and we're all about it. Uh, throughout your career, is there one match that, or one you called or been a part of that sticks out beyond all the rest of them? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's the first match. Uh, I think I did more than one or more than one event. But the first time I worked Madison Square Garden, I uh, I had been working for the Crockett's in the 80s, which was a very small company compared to the WWE or WWF back then. And I was hired by the WWF in 89 to come work there as an announcer and producer, a producer of video cassettes. And I ended up one day doing an afternoon or a, as we call a matinee show uh, for the Madison Square Garden Network uh, that afternoon, did the whole card. And then we flew on a, on a plane to do the Boston Garden that night for New England Sports Network. And I called Hogan and Bossman in a cage. And because I had been such a big wrestling fan and because Madison Square Garden was the place to be, that was, and still to this day, sticks in my mind uh, as, as the biggest event I'd ever called. Now, I can also say, without a doubt, I'm not just trying to shill for my company, that when I did Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page uh, mm-hmm. last year at Revolution in Chicago against the Young Bucks, that was one of the more special, one of the one of the greatest matches I'd ever called too. That's what I'm going to remember for a long, long, long time. Uh, and so, and if, if you know, if I'm to be honest with you, uh, as far as emotions go, uh, to be able to to do the first match on Dynamite back on October second in, in uh, 2019, when we were in Washington, uh, sold out at the arena there, and uh, it was uh, Cody against Sammy Guevara. And uh, I went in the ring to interview Cody after the match and Cody hugged me and grabbed and he was sobbing, crying. Uh, And he was crying because of the hard work that he had put into and we had put into putting out this first show and all the emotions just that's a moment I'm never going to forget as well. So those are three uh, moments that I can remember. Uh, I know I did a lot of Hulk Hogan things in the back at WCW days. But uh, nothing compares to what I'm doing now. And really, that first time working Madison Square Garden is always going to reson- resonate with me. And, I will, and, I, and we actually talk about that scene in Butts and Seats. The do we really? So next, do me a favor. When I start doing about a scene in the comic book, do like that. 
Oh, no, we've been talking, Mexico, you, know, people, you know what? We, we've been, we've been playing our cards so tight to our chest on this. Right. People have to know some stuff at this point. Sure. Okay. Right. We, we got to give, we got to give, we got to give people something. Give a little taste. Peaks even more interest. You're gonna that's right. Sure. That's right. You know, now's the time we can, I mean, that's the thing too, like working on, God, we've been working on this book for. Hey, Tony, I got a real quick question. Okay. Um, have you ever, when, have you ever seen a talent and you're calling a match and it's, maybe one of their first matches that you've seen them work or something like that. And have you just looked at them and said, this guy's got it. He's going to be a big star. And, uh, you know, and, and who is that person? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, from the nineties, AEW, um, even if it's someone that just showed up at AEW recently. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 Rhino, I, I tell you this, there, there are two that come to mind. We've mentioned them already. You know, I did a little bit of work for MLW, uh, before okay. I started. And when I first saw Darby Allen wrestle, I went, yeah. holy hell, this kid is fantastic. If he can stay alive because of the crazy stuff he does. And then, of course, <laughs> and then of course, MJF, because, you know, he's, he's MJF 24 seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was another one too. And so those are the two that come to mind and right. because, and, and, and just because I love her and I will hear about it if I don't say her name, uh, when Dr. Britt Baker turned heel, I, I knew we had something special there because right. I, always, I always knew she was a heel. I knew it back when she was a baby face. I know, I, you know, I can, I can pick out a heel a mile away. So, uh, so yeah, those are some, but when I first listened, uh, one of the matches I first called to Darby Allen, he strapped a or taped a uh, steel chair to his back and jumped off and did his coffin drop off of a balcony at, uh, at the guilt nightclub where we were having our matches. And when he did that, I'm thinking, Oh my God. And I even told him, I said, Darby, you, you need to slow down, buddy. You right. need to slow down because one of these days you're going to make a lot of money. You want to be healthy by the time you make a lot of money. And so, uh, he, uh, we, we talk about that a lot, the, the MLW days, and now he's making, obviously, I would think pretty good money and, uh, and, uh, being able to do the crazy things that he does. Right. Right. Yeah. I think I seen him against uh, Ethan page once and, uh, I, yeah. I thought, man, that this kid's going to be, he's amazing. Yeah. Stuff yeah. He does. Right. But yeah. We're getting late into the show. I want to start wrapping up here pretty soon. So I want you guys, uh, anything else you want to say about the Kickstarter, uh, how long it's going to, you know, what they expect, how long it's going to last when, the when they, what they can do, where they can get it. By the way, we sold a book on here too. We sold a book. So yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, you know, Tony, it was the, it sting sold us another book. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it was the MFR at the back. No. Um, okay. People, <laughs> people can go to uh, buttsandseatscomic.com. Uh, that'll take you right to the Kickstarter page. And again, the big thing we want people to know about the Kickstarter is what you're doing is you're pre-ordering the book. And uh, we're encouraging people to pre-order the Kickstarter exclusive hardcover edition. Uh, or there's, you know, a tag team bundle. You can get the hardcover and the trade paperback. You can do the give me everything. You get the shirt, the lithograph, the hardcover, the trade paperback. But as long as your pledge level includes the hardcover, you're going to get all the stretch goals we have unlocked, which is 11 so far. We have 11 three days in. When we set up this campaign, we did the quest for the gold, you know, and the idea was if we get to 70,000 in pre-sales at the end of our 30 day window, we're going to end this on April 16th, that we have a variant cover drawn by Scott James, uh, Tony, based on, uh, we were not showing the cover, the actual cover yet, but based on Tony's uh, 
favorite oh, cover, his favorite comic. So we have an homage cover that Scott drew. And the thing we came up with is if we get to 70,000, that we will uh, put a gold belt, a championship belt, and like make it metallic on the hardcover of that very good cover. Um, we are just, we are closing in on 60,000 right now on day three. So, Tony, I hope you get ready for your belt. But, uh, yeah, you're $682 away from your 12th stretch. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it just we appreciate it, and, and the more people that pledge for the book, the more everybody gets, which is the way I set up these campaigns. Or the way we not, to inter- not to interrupt, but I also heard there's a camp, there's one that you're actually going to give away, Tony. I mean, yes, we have yeah. we have one, we have one spot left to give away, Tony, uh, and all elite the elite pledge level. Um, much like Darby Allen EW, you get to put Tony in a body bag and drag him around with you. Or if you I, I don't know if we told you about that or not, Tony. That we're the going three that pieces of Tony, mm. right? No, but we have all kind. Yeah, we have a we have an all elite level, which you can have dinner with Tony at an AW event. Um, we really wanted to set it up with different tiers so people can can buy into this at their level of comfort. Yeah, you got that stimmy money. That's important. You want to buy time with Tony Schiavone at an AW event? Yeah, one chance left. Uh, we had some chances to get drawn into the book. Those are gone. We might open up a few more now that we unlocked all the stretch goals. We might have an, uh, all the bonus stories. We might have another opportunity or two to maybe get a few more people drawn into Tony's stories. That's awesome. That's mm. But uh, I don't know, Tony. I mean, that, that that's my that's my shilling. Buttsandseatscomic.com. I mean, yeah, make sure it's butts and seats comic singular, not comics, but comic singular dot com. So make sure you go there. So, yeah, this is an exciting venture for me. And uh, I appreciate all the work that Dirk and Drina Joe and, and everyone at SourcePoint has done. All the uh, artists have done just a remarkable job. I appreciate AEW letting me be on these podcasts, you know, because, you know, everything that I do has to be cleared by them, uh, rightfully so. Uh, and they've been very supportive of my podcast. Again, that's being able to work for a good person and a good company to be able to do something like right. that. So it's been a great venture for me. It really has. And, and Rhino, I do want to tell you that when I was growing up, my grandmother always said, you need to see Rhino and Tommy Dreamer uh, do uh, their street fight. And I said, okay, when I grew up, I'll watch it. So I did watch it. So just to let you know, Tony, if I was ever working a drive-through and you came through, I would know it was you, and I would just get your food. I wouldn't even charge it. That voice had been like, "That's Tony Chivani. Here's your food, sir. Thank you for yeah. all you've done. Here's your free fries. Oh, it'd be yeah. Starbucks. It would be, Star- Starbucks. It'd be your Starbucks. Yeah. There's right. no fri- There's no fries at Starbucks, Gary. <laughs> okay. Gary, it's a nice. Okay. Okay. It's a nice hot cup of go get a life. Thank you very much. <laughs> Keep going on. Okay. It was amazing having you on. We appreciate it so much. Thanks. Thank anything, you very much. Anything you want to plug before we take off here? Anything AEW's got coming up? Uh, of course, we've got uh, Dynamite Live coming up on Wednesday. we got a brand new show, 7 o'clock on uh, YouTube called Elevation that I do with Paul White now. Great working with him. Uh, and that's our brand new show that started. What we're trying to do is take kids who have maybe haven't had the push before, just starting out from the independents and giving them some elevation in their career, which I think is great. And we're started that out now. And uh, so uh, we're just having a great time and we're down at Daly's place in Jacksonville. And uh, we are, we have it open somewhat. We have, you know, restricted uh, pods, uh, socially distanced, but fans can come down and see us. Uh, right. and, um, so we, we'd love for you to come out and see us. It's an outdoor amphitheater. We have a great time. Awesome. 
well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, letting us hear your voice. And uh, we will see you guys. I'll see you Wednesday, and I'll see you probably at a wrestling event coming up pretty soon we're going to have here. And uh, next week's show, we got uh, pro wrestling manager, first woman ever, Jackie Callens, coming on. Uh, she's a manager to uh, tons of champions. Uh, Bronco McCart's going to be on with us, another champion boxer. Uh, Jackie Callens actually had a movie made about her with Meg Ryan as the, as the star. So that should be interesting. Uh, great episode, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, Thank you. Guys, Thanks for having us. Good to talk to you, Gary. Rhino, good talking to you too, buddy. Yeah, thank you, guys. Gary, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Same with you, Rhino. Look forward to seeing you in an event soon. And everyone else, uh, buttsandseatscomic.com. Go check it out. Get a hardcover. Get some swag. And, and thank you. Seriously. I, I just got to check one last time here before we wrap up. What are we at? I mean, we've been jumping up. Tony, have you been doing the thing where you just manically refresh the Kickstarter? Or are you staying away from it? I'm yeah. standing. I, I st I'm letting you guys do that. Oh, you're stronger than me. We're, yeah. we're, we're a thousand twenty-four backers already. Okay. Uh, over fifty-nine thousand dollars. So thank you so much, you guys, and, and girls, women, everybody. If your pets are supporting it, thank you too. Thank you, everybody. So buttsandseatscomic.com. So thank you and thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Awesome. We're out of here. Thanks for watching Tyrion Gary's Low Expectations podcast. Be up on Spotify, YouTube, and everything else tomorrow. Join us live next Thursday, and uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Thank you.